From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, welcome back to OCFA's Pass Along Podcast. In today's episode, uh, we'll be uh, talking with Operations Administrative Captain Daryl Milliat, and when he sat down with HR and Training Battalion Chief Mike Summers to discuss his new role in the organization. Two things to take away is identify your mentors early and come up with a, with a game plan and uh, identify it early on in your career and not just keep on putting it on the back burner. All right, but before that, let's talk some more about uh, news and noteworthy topics. On Monday this last week, uh, myself, and Chief Anderson and Chief Young um, accompanied Chief McIntosh to be support for uh, Anaheim Fire Department when they did their press conference out at Anaheim Fire Station 10. And the, the impetus for this is that they wanted to talk about their findings after their investigation was concluded uh, secondary to Canyon 1 and Canyon 2 fires. And uh, there they divulged uh, that uh, subsequent to the investigation that they believe the initial fire of Canyon 1 was caused by a road flare. Uh, that Caltrans had put down while they were doing some work along the edge of the 91 and uh, they have some witness statements that indicate that one or more of those flares was struck by a vehicle and likely thrown into the uh, brush on the side of the road which propagated Canyon 1. Then you fast forward to uh, the day Canyon 2 started and it, their investigation is indicating that the uh, area of origin was inside of the, um, the black and that uh, once the wind got on the fire, uh, propagated some, uh, some glowing embers, which were carried past the line, and then of course carried the, uh, the fire to the uh, scope and extent for which we know it is today. So just wanted to get a little bit for you there on the Canyon 1 and 2. Um, we're gonna be continuing with our after action report, which is just a generic uh, traditional scrub of the incident, good, bad, and ugly, things that we can improve on. And then also independent of that, we're going to look at, um, uh, we're in the process actually of contractually seating a couple members to be on an independent interview or a correction, an independent um, investigation committee. And these folks are going to be looking specifically at about five or six things the chief mentioned in his press conference. Uh, things such as, uh, you know, uh, dispelling the rumors regarding uh, Anaheim Angel uh, helicopter, um, not uh, locating a fire and then the OCFA subsequently not responding. Uh, the involvement of the Duke helicopters, uh, the time sequence in regards to callers going by the fire up to an hour before that, that the infamous 832 call, and uh, other things of this nature. And they'll ferret those out in their investigation. And we're hoping for about a 60 to 90 day turnaround on that because it is kind of a narrowed scope of work. So um, there you have it. Anaheim's uh, press conference just went out uh, regarding the origin. We have the investigation that'll be uh, uh, spooling up here shortly. And then also the independent after action report uh, that should be led uh, from some operations uh, folks. So just wanted to get to you on those. All right, in other news, uh, we have new Truck 61 going into service. Uh, that should wrap up the four trucks uh, that we started on that journey some time ago when I was actually uh, the Assistant Chief over Support Services. That's Truck 43, 64, 75, and now Truck 61, which of course, as you recall, jumped ahead in the order uh, subsequent to the fire, um, January 13th, Fire Station 61. On that news note, um, construction of new Fire Station 61 is uh, moving along um, quite nicely, actually. If you swing by there, you, I think you'll be shocked at the, at the uh, level or the degree for which they're, they're moving along. It's pretty nice uh, progress. 
and it's really starting to take shape. So the old Fire Station 61 is scheduled to be demolished. I believe that's in December. And then, um, well, just as a sidebar, I know that's a sad day because we have a lot of both our Buena Park alum as well as those that have been assigned to Fire Station 61 since Buena Park came over. A lot of folks uh, serve there, a lot of great memories, a lot of uh, impressive rescues, uh, firefights, um, and um, just service and camaraderie uh, there over the years. So obviously a sad day, um, but uh, I, I guess we should be joyful as we move into the Thanksgiving holiday that we only burned down one fire station last year, right? Uh, wink, wink. So um, again, just celebrating a uh, new fire station, added uh, capabilities, an increased size of the fire station. In fact, we even engineered in concert with Buena Park uh, City trying to look at forecasting call volumes in the area. And so we added it, we made it a three bay fire station with the hope that uh, we'll hit that trigger point to add a second paramedic engine company. So it'll, in a way, it'll look like uh, 22s of the big house north uh, at Fire Station 61. More to come on that. Obviously, that'll be uh, in the months and years that, that uh, followed the uh, Fire Station opening up here. All right, uh, let's move on uh, to Best and Bravest nominations. Uh, man, it's, we're really looking for those uh, nominations to come in. Time's running out. So if you have any of those that you're holding on to, uh, or just need that final push to get it in, uh, let me be the motivation. Get those things in. Again, we want to just recognize staff that go above and beyond consistently uh, in our agency. All right, uh, last but not least, I wanted to congratulate the 28 reserves who graduated from Reserve Academy 20 this past Saturday. Uh, thanks for all who are in attendance, and uh, we just want to welcome um, all of the reserves and their family into our fire family. So um, welcome aboard. With that, let's move on to our featured segment, and here is uh, Administrative Captain Daryl Milliot uh, interviewing uh, Battalion Chief Mike Summers, and they'll be talking about uh, Mike's position and uh, kind of the promotional processes and what have you. Uh, Chief Summers is going to offer some great tips on walking through those various processes. So uh, definitely is something I'm passionate about as Mike uh, works under organizational planning. And uh, it's something I'm very passionate about in regards to preparing the next generation and, and really smoothing the path for them so that while they certainly have to have some skin in the game, study for these exams, prepare themselves, we want to remove any kind of hindrance um, and provide all the information, the courses, and the direction for them so that if they have a willing heart and they're willing to commit some time and energy to um, bettering themselves and stepping up in the agency and leadership, which we definitely need, we want to make that available to them. So uh, Chief Summers is doing an outstanding job, and I think you'll find the information and uh, you'll hear his heart in this, uh, in this content. So uh, take a listen. All right, so this is Daryl Milliot, Operations Administrative Captain for Orange County Fire, uh, here doing another podcast, an interview with Chief Summers. Uh, mostly wanted to, you know, good morning. Thanks for coming. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, mostly just wanted to talk about your new position, your new role. Uh, what is it you say you do here? So, for example, what's the title of your new position here? Okay, so uh, my current position is still under development, but my official title would be uh, Battalion Chief in Training slash Human Resources, uh, also known as PERP. So pr Promotions, Recruitment, and Professional Standards Unit is also uh, part of my title. Okay. And so what does that entail? What, is, what is, would you say is your primary objective and the, the purpose for the position? So the primary objective, it resulted from uh, Chief Gomez coming out with a basically a white paper on needing some assistance in the, in the training section with regards to the promotion opportunities within the organization. Everything from promotional prep classes for engineer, fire captain, and battalion chief, all the way through the recruitment processes. Because in the past, 
there would be the training chief would be ultimately responsible for the promotional prep classes and then they would assign uh, certain battalion chiefs out in the field with responsibilities towards running the recruitment process for the engineers captains and the uh, BC's process with the division chief basically mm -hmm. having overall organizational uh, responsibility um, but with Chief Gomez he wanted uh, further assistance so we could put more emphasis on our promotional opportunities and having more consistency within our promotional testing processes here at the Orange County Fire Authority. Okay, so you talked about consistency in the promotion processes. Are there any, is there anything specific off the top of your head that you'd like to see streamlined and consistent across the ranks or, or any changes to any of the processes that you would like to enact as soon as you can? So a perfect example of that is, in my opinion, the uh, fire apparatus engineer, their cadre of folks. Uh, Rob Reed, uh, Jeff Lontello, Andrew Ricker, and several other engineers, engineers I'm sure I'm not mentioning, have, have established the gold standard, in my opinion, for the engineer's process. So the way they've streamlined that promotional process, and you can see in the last two recruitments, uh, this current one going on, there's been quite success uh, within, that, within that promotional process. And the reason being is they came up with structured uh, core developmental classes that are optional. Um, they can either have the developmental series one through four or uh, driver operator one A and one B, but they've most have elected to take these developmental series classes, which basically teaches them the fundamentals of pump and theory and takes them all the way through how to apply this skill to uh, the day four class, which is applying it as if they were in a testing situation. So the way they run that class, they run it twice a year. And then when they open up a recruitment process, they do an orientation to the process. So what they can expect as far as the written material, what they can expect as far as the practice days, mm -hmm. which PowerPoints to pay attention to from the development series classes, and then basically how the assessment center will work for the FAA process, ultimately down to uh, the test day, and then onto the academy and how they're ranked. So to me, that would be the gold standard for all of our processes, coming up with more of a structured program for our fire captains and battalion chiefs as far as our writing and presentation classes, our firefighter bill of rights class, and then our current 9025 class, which is the uh, tactical decision-making class. So we would add another component to that to where it'd be another day tacked on the front end of basically this is how we do strategy and taxes, tactics here with the Orange County Fire Authority, and then day two would be applying it. So I believe that we could streamline a lot of our promotional process, starting with the captain's process, mirroring it after the engineer's process by structuring our developmental series classes that are optional in addition to all the minimum qualifications, but having the structure to where we teach them how to do that specific skill and then we apply it either later on that day or a day two portion of that class. And then have an intro and orientation to the testing process like they do for the engineer's process. This is what you can expect for the written, these are the books that will be offered to you in preparation for that. This should be your study plan. You should identify mentors out in the field, whether they're captains or battalion chiefs, to assist you with that, um, that end goal to become a battalion chief or a fire captain. And then this is what you can expect from an assessment center, a written examination, and then in the academy. Okay, so you're talking about uh, being happy with the success of the engineer process, because I know that the, the results have been dramatically better than they have in the past and are you saying that it sounds like you're saying that the engineers and captains test will try to mirror that a little bit but for the engineers candidates that are in the process now 
would it be safe to say that the consistency you've established now that that plan is going to continue just so that those engineers candidates know what to expect? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So in the past, I'm not exactly sure what the percentages were as far as the success rate for the engineer candidates, but mm -hmm. currently we have about an 80% success rate for those that are going in through the FAE process. Mm -hmm. It may have been about 50% in the past, but we've seen a, a dramatic increase. And I believe it's a direct result of that's preparation classes. They know what to expect on the day of testing, but more importantly, that's gonna be what they're gonna expect as engineers in the field responding to a structure fire or another type of incident. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, um, preparing them for not only the assessment center for fire captain battalion chief, but we give them the skills that would prepare them for the actual position day one when they step on the floor as a fire captain mm -hmm. to make those critical strategy and tactic decisions, to make a, a decision on a potential personnel matter where it may trigger a firefighter bill of rights, or if on day one they have to give some sort of presentation to a city council group or a fire watch, say, fire safe council. Okay, excellent. Uh, are there any other promotional processes that you'll be charged with coordinating or is it mostly, is it just the, basically a new firefighter through his career to retirement? So for example, new hires, engineer, captain and BC, is there any other processes like internal non-promotional type uh, changes or anything like that, or just primarily the ones I mentioned? So primarily, so Dennis, uh, Chief Gomez for Operations Training and Safety will still have the ultimate from when the firefighter trainees come here to the OCFA, he'll have them through the academy and through probation. Mm -hmm. When I make my impacts, uh, my, my section makes the impact on the organization is from FAE through battalion chief. So currently the positions that they have identified a recruitment process they've identified would be operations mm -hmm. only and it would be that of engineer, captain, and battalion chief. Okay, I think you've done a really good job with putting the information out there in regards to where we are in the process and that, but could you just recap, generally speaking, you said the engineer's test or process is going on now, so could you just kind of brief the listeners as far as what they have to look forward to in the next six months? Yes, sir, so I'll refer to a few of my notes because there's a lot of numbers. We have currently uh, a total of 21 uh, engineers or 21 candidates taking the engineers test of which 15 are firefighter paramedics and six are firefighters because that comes into play with our succession planning for those specific ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, we're currently in uh, day three of our manipulative practice dates. So we have those uh, upcoming on uh, the 15th, 18th and 19th of November. And then we have a manipulative exam will take place on November 27th through December 1st with the academy starting in January with graduation um, approximately the first week of February. And then uh, currently uh, we're still going through our fire captain's process. We had to push that back a little bit as a result of the Canyon 2 fire. So we went ahead and uh, rescheduled that exam. We still have the written uh, will be take place on November 13th. We re originally scheduled that for October 18th, but it was rescheduled, rescheduled due to the Canyon 2 fire. And then the assessment center was supposed to be October 30th through November 3rd. And we rescheduled that for uh, December 11th through uh, December 15th. And then moving on to the battalion chiefs recruitment, tentatively, we're looking at opening that recruitment and the end of December, so December 28th. And that will fly approximately through January 12th with the tactical simulator being the week of February 5th. The remainder of the assessment center the week of February 26, management review in March, 
and then the academy will start approximately midway through March and last through about April 1st with promotions that first week of April. So currently developing the, uh, the testing cadre for the battalion chiefs process and uh, identifying any additional preparatory classes that we're going to be offering, such as the uh, 9025 class we have this week, mm -hmm. which is our tactical decision-making class will be this Thursday, and that will prep our current captain candidates as well as BC candidates for, for those uh, strategy and tactics portions of the exams. Okay. I think some of those dates and those guidelines have been included in the monthly visitation notes. Is there anywhere else that like a prospective candidate could go to find the information that you just mentioned? That's a, that's a great, great, great question. So currently we're in the development of a, a promotional timeline, operations promotional timeline document that I've worked with uh, Jason Kaya, Tarot Miali, mm -hmm. uh, Kristen Lee, and Chief Schrader with developing this document that basically uh, will come out in a memo format from Chief Schrader from operations training um, section and basically state uh, when they can expect uh, recruitment coming up, whether it's uh, paramedic testing process for Saddleback, a potential accreditation, or engineers process, captains, and BCs process. So we'll send that out um, hopefully within the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. We're just waiting on a few of the minimum qualifications to get approved for the FAE process, fire captain and battalion chiefs process. And we're gonna couple that together with a memo with upcoming recruitments. They'll give the promotional timeline as well as the minimum qualifications. And then another document that I'm working on is a operations career development guide from basically from firefighter trainee, firefighter paramedic, all the way through battalion chief of what basically the desired qualifications are, the minimum qualifications are, what the class specification descriptions are, and then I'll couple within there that promotional timeline as well as the minimum qualifications uh, for uh, those each positions. And then also um, Tara Miali from operations training section, she's working on the incident command uh, system uh, class schedule, which will also include the development classes. We'll get that out here within the next two weeks. And that will also kind of um, help them plan in the field on what classes they need to take, what's required, what's not required, so that they can start forming out their uh, promotional planning process. Okay. So uh, it sounds like you got a lot going on right now. You're in the middle of the engineers thing, and then you also have the BC and the fire captain tests are coming up shortly mm -hmm. you mentioned the consistency that you're looking for and that we've achieved in the engineer testing mm -hmm. process for a candidate who wants to take this captain's test or this chief's test do you have any advice or do you have any direction as far as any changes in the testing process that you're aware of so our current testing process isn't changed from last year's process uh, for the fire captain and battalion chief now there may, the, the Joint Labor Management Working Group for Promotional Processes is mm -hmm. looking at potentially changing the way we uh, conduct a promotional test for fire captain and F8 and for uh, battalion chief. Mm -hmm. However, our current process is the same, but the recommendation what I would make to those that are interested in, in promoting is, is come up, develop a study plan. Mm -hmm. And that study plan should develop about 12 months in advance at least. We should be training each day for that position that we desire um, to promote to. So if you're um, an engineer or a firefighter that wants to uh, promote to captain, then they mm -hmm. should begin their study plan by mapping out a 12-month uh, calendar of basically how to study for the written, reading the books, mm -hmm. and then identifying mentors out in the field, whether they're respective fire captains or battalion chiefs, on what, what will work for them, setting up uh, basic simulators in the firehouse 
um, helping them out with interviews, reaching out to some of the former cadre that have been in charge of those sections, such as Chief Lockhart, um, Chief Sanchez, Chief Perkins, um, to help them to see you know, what, what we're looking for during the assessment center as far as the um, tactical simulator and the assessment centers. So that would be the recommendation I would make. I would also make a solid effort and go into the FBOR classes that are offered through the department, mm -hmm. the 9025 class and the writing class. Even if you've been to it two or three times, we're constantly changing the, uh, the curriculum of that. In fact, mm -hmm. that's one of my goals is to standardize and structure the curriculum so that if we have an instructor that can't teach for that month, for example, that we can provide them a curriculum that they can study the curriculum so it's consistent with our standard operating procedures, command procedures, et cetera and that they can go ahead and teach the class so we create that consistency. Okay, uh, so since the next two classes or the next two promotion processes that will come up after the engineer mm -hmm. are both command related ranks, mm -hmm. what is your vision regarding ICS? Is it important or is it not important to use uh, single unit identifiers versus the ICS chart? Do you have any guidance in that area or are you more open to the candidate using a system that just works universally? So past practice is, is as long as what the candidate is doing uh, makes sense to the raiders and it's in compliance with our command procedures, then it's an acceptable practice. Um, for example, we have the um, command procedures, but it doesn't specify single unit designators versus creating the division yeah. or group early on in the incident. Um, it develops and lets the incident drive the creation of those positions. But with that being said, if you like, for example, you look at the fire scope document that just came out in 2015, it basically says when to apply a single unit designator. Say if you have a, um, a house, reported house fire, you respond on scene, you have light smoke showing, you send your two firefighters in to investigate, you're in investigative mode, um, it's food on the stove only. That'd be a single unit designator. Now say if you arrive on scene, you have heavy dark smoke and you want to create that division early because you know you're going to add two or more companies to that interior division, mm -hmm. then I would be an advocate of creating the division. But that's just my opinion. But as an organization, I think we need to develop a document similar to that fire scope document, basically a guide to strategy and tactics in this organization to see what would be acceptable um, for our, our, our candidates that are trying to study for those positions as well as tenured captains and battalion chiefs to look back and reference them as a document to say, okay, you know, and it's not a black and white document. It's a lot of gray because that's what ICS is, but at least we provide them per, uh, parameters. Mm -hmm. You know, here's A through Z. We operate in this zone as the OCFA. Right. And they're usually adopted practices from Firescope to what our partners surrounding within Metronet do as far as the Orange County Operational Annex. Mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost on all of our minds are the force hire situation that we're in at the current time. Mm -hmm. I know that Bridget Gibb, head of HR, put out that survey uh, a few months ago trying to establish a way of projecting how many vacancies we're gonna have in the future based on retirees and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, being that you are charged with doing the promotion processes for the three ranks, those three primary ranks, mm -hmm. it, have you guys been able to crunch those numbers and do any kind of prediction considering the large number of entry-level candidates we're taking on lately? So yes, we have. For the last uh, about two weeks, we've been discussing uh, basically how to develop a matrix that identifies current uh, persons on work comp or on vacation, uh, long-term um, issues where their, um, their positions are vacant to what our current master control list is as far as vacancies go. 
and then what allowable numbers we have per MOUs to, to fill those vacancies. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty complex. We're working with organizational development and training to see if we can develop some sort of formulary to predict what the anticipated uh, retirements would be at a specific rank and then what we can anticipate as far as our promotions or the numbers we would like to promote to those positions. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, we have currently two battalion chief vacancies within the organization, mm -hmm. but we have potentially up to four uh, vacancies coming up shortly between the battalion chief and, and division chief rank. Mm -hmm. And then if we add into it a battalion 10, which there's talk of that occurring in July of next year, that could be potentially nine battalion chief vacancies. So uh, for my section, we have to know what those anticipated vacancies are, not that it's going to change how we formulate an examination, but at least we like to go into it knowing that, hey, we have nine potential vacancies. You know, what's our past practice as far as how many, you know, candidates are successful in these exams? And I think that's where that preparation piece comes into play. If we adequately prepare them, then we can anticipate filling, you know, those anticipated vacancies in the future. Mm -hmm. So we identified within each rank from um, not only the firefighter rank, but um, to create vacancies for our current academy that will be coming out, identify who will be paramedics within that academy, um, who will be BLS firefighters, and then um, within the rank of engineer, who our uh, current paramedics are uh, within that, that ranking, who our firefighters are, and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So same with fire captain and BC. So we can anticipate, you know, as we promote, what, what holes and vacancies are going to create as a firefighter paramedic rank, the engineer rank, fire captain, and so on. Okay, that makes sense. So as uh, an overarching, probably, uh, final statement, do you have any advice for, you pretty much are gonna be leading the direction on how we do promotions for the foreseeable future. Do you have any advice generally for candidates of, of any rank that are trying to promote? What would be your overall advice that you could give the candidates out there? So uh, the best advice I can, I can give to the candidates out there is, um, Start planning now. If you are you know, just off probation, start having a, a game plan in mind for your career. If you wanna be a career firefighter, then that's great, but you also, within that, you need to create some goals in mind as far as, you know, do you wanna go into USAR or HAZMAT or an overhead team? But same with, if you have in, ambitions to become an engineer, fire captain, battalion chief, you need to start planning now. Come up with a three-year plan, a five-year plan, and a 10-year plan, because before you know it, within our careers, time will slip by. So start developing a, a course of action based on the ICS schedules we come out with here, identifying a mentor out in the field, whether it's a respected engineer, captain, battalion chief, and asking what worked for them. You know, mm -hmm. um, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a mentor early on in my firefighter career, about a year and a half, two years on, I had a battalion chief start sending me to some city-wide classes um, that weren't uh, common for a firefighter to attend. And so he, he took an interest in me and then, he gave me all the, the course um, books for engineer and said, I want you to start coming up with a plan to become an engineer. As soon as I promoted to engineer day one into his office, he says, I want you to come up with a plan on being a fire captain. I'm said, chief, I just became an engineer. And he goes, well, you're moving up to fire captain tomorrow on your first day as an engineer. So you need to start planning now. So um, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by good mentors early on in my career to to basically project out on where, where I'd be in the future. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, you know, um, I've had several mentors here to, to push me to have ambitions to become a battalion chief, which I've been fortunate enough to be a BC now for about a year and a half. So mm -hmm. I think 
two things to take away is identify your mentors early and come up with a, with a game plan and uh, identify it early on in your career and not mm. just keep on putting it on the back burner. Awesome. Uh, do you have anything else to add generally? or um, a, a couple other uh, parts of my position, although they, they don't take up as much time right now, is, is two other sections. Is one is our uh, firefighter outreach program. So back in 2008, we had a, an active firefighter outreach program. And um, we've identified basically that we need to go out and to the community, to the colleges, to military bases, to try to bring in some interests that might not normally be, persons might not be interested in. So we're going out, we just did a recruitment over at Cal State Fullerton, did a career fair. Mm -hmm. uh, we just did one at Crafton Hills College, and then we're doing a lo uh, Long Beach career, um, diversity career fair as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're also identifying a current group of our uh, former uh, military service members um, so that we can go out to the military bases to try to recruit uh, officers or uh, Marine Corps, Army, Naval, or Air Force that are uh, being, coming out of the military as far as a potential career. Okay. And then the last portion of one of my positions that I'm involved in is the Professional Standards Unit. I'm more of an operations liaison, but you have a human re resource manager, Lucy Manfrey, who's head of that section. And I basically assist her with, with all things operations as far as answering some questions. I'm not internal affairs or I'm not part of the IAB and I'm not wired for sound or anything <laughs> like that. So I'm more of an operations um, liaison to provide an ops perspective. So those are the two other components of my position. But lately it's been the, the promotions piece that have been taking a large part of my time. Okay. So would you say, for example, uh, on the HR piece of it, mm -hmm. uh, since you mentioned it, uh, say, you know, unfortunately somebody, an employee needs a little bit of corrective action mm -hmm. and, and things go through the HR process as they're supposed to. What would be your role, if any, in say a person getting, uh, you know, a, a disciplinary action taken against them? Um, for that, like that would be more of the, between that, that, that members, uh, shift BC and, and DC and I, I, probably would not be brought in that type of mm -hmm. um, issue. But mm -hmm. if there was something with regards to like standards of discipline, um, where I would look at past practice and then, and then I would answer questions for, um, for example, with Lucy Manfrey on, mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, what does an engineer do? Or, you know, what is a process for a, a backing accident, for example? Mm -hmm. like what policies and procedures do we have developed? So I assist them with kind of developing some of that background information that they might not be privy to and provide it to them. And so that's pretty much the most part I've been involved in. I haven't been involved in any sort of investigations or um, administrative hearings or anything like that. Okay. The Professional Standards Unit, uh, how did it come about and what's the background of it and what is it truly by definition? I think there's a lot of ambiguity out there that you might be able to clear up. Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it came about. I know that um, most organizations, they'll have basically... Um, for lack of a better word, an internal affairs bureau, but basically it's to create, from my understanding, it'd be to create consistency within human resource functions mm -hmm. and mainly um, disciplinary issues. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in the past where someone has, has done an infraction, say they got a, um, a, a verbal reprimand for that, mm -hmm. and then someone else did that same action and they got a written reprimand. So I think one of those, I'm speaking on her behalf, so, but I think that would be just to create more consistency within, within those disciplinary um, hearings and what the outcomes of, of mm -hmm. those are, mm -hmm. um, but just to create consistency within that. 
Okay. So it sounds like there's not a lot of changes really. Our, our investigators do not investigate things within the members of the department. That's correct. You are not uh, actively out there seeking uh, these types of issues as well. It's correct. just, it sounds to me from what you're saying that it's more of uh, an expert, a subject matter expert on the operations side to mm -hmm. liaise with the HR people so they understand better how we're supposed to be performing. Correct, it's just to create that standardization. Okay, Yeah. All right. makes sense. All right, well if there's nothing else, I just wanna thank you for your time, Chief Summers. Uh, once again, this is Daryl Milliot, Operations Administrative Captain, and uh, this is another podcast. I appreciate your time. All right, thanks again to uh, Daryl and Mike for the interview this week. Uh, really some important and exciting stuff going on in Mike's shop. Uh, as you know, we just stood that up some months back with Mike joining the team. And uh, we're really excited about his role and look forward to a lot of great things in the future. So um, I need to go have a, a quick go back in that uh, we promised you the Tesla um, lessons learned and we will get to that, I promise. Um, so stay tuned for that. It'll be coming in a future segment, but until then, um, just Let's continue to watch out for each other and uh, we'll talk to you soon.